0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.
1: President Donald Trump said during the campaign that he wanted to have a stronger America. He also said that this country needed to address the vetting policies of people coming into the U.S., on Friday, he signed an executive order that put a temporary ban on people coming from seven different countries, all of which are considered to be Muslim majorities. Since then, we have seen protests at airports across the country, some of which have seen travelers from lands across the seas detained, even if they hold green cards that allow them into the U.S. The ACLU moved in quickly and got a temporary stay, which has taken a bit of the sting away from some of Trump's orders, but not all. And more protests are planned as well as court action to take a look at what is going on. We welcome in our friend Mike Youseem here from the Wharton School. And also joining us is Ron Hira, who's associate professor in the Department of Political Science at Howard University. Mike, great to see you again. Thanks for coming in. Great to have you. Uh, Great to
2: be here and great to be on this topic. No bigger topic today than the one we're about to talk about.
1: Absolutely. Ron, great to have you on the show with us. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. just I mean obviously the reaction of a lot of people is a lot of anger a lot of outrage to what has gone on as this played out over the weekend Mike uh, and, and you thought through this obviously we're talking about the leader of this country the leader of the free world what were some of the things that were running through your mind
2: well the order enormously impactful as we know from demonstrations that popped up at airports all over the country and and center cities and I think it's because a really uh, the order itself cuts to the heart of what we stand for, who we are, in ways that many people find unacceptable. And in particular, its impact on companies that are doing business uh, with people who are in this category that maybe may not be welcome into this country, but maybe even more directly, so many companies do hire refugees. They hire people who are on uh, special visas. Yeah. Uh, and so... It's just who we are, and this seems to kind of knock the air out of us or maybe the feet from under us.
1: Bob Meyer also joining us uh, of uh, Wharton's Risk Management and Decision Processes Center. Uh, Bob, great to have you on the show as well. Hello, Bob.
0: Yeah, glad to be aboard. Uh,
1: Okay, great to have you. I'll get to you in one second. Mm -hmm. Ron, as this was all playing out, what was your reaction as well?
3: Uh, Well, I I mean, I think it was kind of interesting that the tech industry was uh, involved in talking about this, but I think it's uh, important to note that uh, this is not really uh, about the tech industry or tech workers, and it's not really about some of the uh, issues around the H-1B visa uh, program and some of the other guest worker programs. These are really kind of separate from the
1: executive order. Bob? Bob, what was your reaction to to this all playing out?
0: Oh, it was uh, it was kind of amazing. I, I, I think that uh, you know most companies go through the process of. Uh of trying to do risk analysis and look into the future and, and sort of drivel up in contingencies and so forth. And I think if you were to go to companies, uh, uh, you know, a, a year ago or two years ago and said and tried to, you know, is this a scenario that you would have imagined uh, playing out where all of a sudden your own country was basically putting in wholesale bans of uh, of, um, of of people arriving from other countries? I, I think that we thought that was a pretty unlikely event. And, you know, and all of a sudden, here it is. So, uh, it just sort of goes to show you just, you know, how important um, uh, low probability risk planning is for, for a lot of companies.
1: Ron, this is not the first time that that something similar to this has been done. But obviously there are components to this that are much different than what we have seen in the past because of back then situations that were either happening within the country or with people that came into the country. This is a, a much different kind of scenario.
3: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what you're referring to earlier. I mean, I think this is something that is uh, a security issue, um, and I, I really don't have the expertise to, to comment on the, the pros and cons of the, the security issues. Uh, as I said, I guess it, it seems strange to me that the tech industry—it um, uh, it seemed to be framed by the by the media and by even some of the folks in the tech industry—that this was a, a major impact on. Uh, it, uh, on their workforce i 'm sure that i don 't want to minimize the impact on individual workers right. but it 's a it 's a really small share of at least the number of h one b workers that they employ. Uh, I ran some numbers and it it accounts for zero point four percent of all uh, of the h one b workers and then you know as you look at individual firms it 's in fact even smaller so this really isn 't an h one b issue and it 's not really a tech worker issue it 's really uh, a broader issue on on national security and then some of the things that your other uh, guests have, have commented on,
2: Mike. Yeah, Ron, I would pick up on that uh, a very good point. Uh, I've had a lot of tech people comment over the weekend about how it's going to be a problem for them, and they themselves, take Sergey Brin, for example, one of the founders there of Google, um, are saying, "Look, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for this kind of a open, kind of open borders policy that has defined the U.S. for a couple hundred years." Now that said. Uh, the in, the impact, it's it's on everybody. Universities, a number over the weekend, have put out statements, uh, including our own University of Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm a graduate of University of Michigan as well. I put out a very strong statement over the weekend saying that it would not provide, unless by law required to do so, the uh, the, the immigration status of its students. It doesn't collect the data and so on. Lloyd Blankfein, the CEO of Goldman Sachs, has said uh, this This, this kind of goes against our hiring practices. We want great financial analysts. We want great bankers. And if you put an arbitrary barrier between us and the people we want to hire, not good for us and not good for a lot of others. Let me just uh, add one more quick point to the mix of our conversation. Companies and universities and just about everybody out there who's exercised about this, they're stepping forward as themselves. And I personally would love to see some of the trade associations, the Business Roundtable in the case of business, for example, or the American Chamber of Commerce, take up these issues because this really transcends any sector, any particular business. To paraphrase uh, the founder of the University of Pennsylvania, Benjamin Franklin, at the signing of the Declaration of Independence, you may recall his famous quote, he says uh, we better hang together on uh, on the signing here of the Declaration of Independence. Otherwise, yeah. we're going to hang separately.
1: What did you make, Mike, then uh, of the move, obviously, by the ACLU to to go forward and, and try and, you know, to to make the moves that they did to try and uh, take some of the sting away from, from this order on Friday?
2: Yeah, I personally applaud that. But aside from uh, issues around uh, the immediate uh, actions by the ACLU, we'd like to see other groups step forward to, challenge which, uh, challenge issues that may be not constitutional, may not be legal. Aside from that, I think the ACLU has done the country a service in that in pushing back against this, I actually think it's going to be critical for that pushback to have occurred if we're going to continue to prosper. Our, our growth rate now nationally is not so good. <clears throat> we need great people. Where do they come from? Pretty much everywhere. And we're about to lose a pretty big slug of people if we have these arbitrary barriers on who we can hire, Ron, What was your
1: reaction to the ACLU, ACLU's move? Oh, I, I'm not familiar with it. Oh, I, I haven't
3: been following that.
1: Okay. Well, they they went to court to get a temporary stay of this uh, of this move uh, to try and uh, to uh, eliminate some of the uh, some of the problems that obviously are created by this, especially with the fact that uh, there are certain uh, people that are holding green cards that obviously are allowed to come into the country uh, that were being held at these airports. Um, so it was something that uh, I think a lot of people uh, were, were surprised that was happening, especially with people uh, of that, uh, uh, of that uh, level of, of being able to come into the country. But, Bob, as, as you see this coming forward uh, from the risk perspective, what are the problems that are, that are kind of laying out there with making a move like this and, and obviously for, for our country right now?
0: Well, I mean, there's a couple of dimensions. One of which is from the uh, the business side of the whole thing. Uh, we work. Our center, our research center, the Risk Management Center at uh, here at Wharton, works with uh, partners with the World Economic Forum to put out a global risk report uh, each year. And uh, and this year, like right at the top of the list in terms of things that, that companies tend to worry about, uh, along with large scale involuntary mi- uh, migration, which is uh, you know one of the things. is Dealing with uh, is also things like you know profound social instability and failure of national governance and. And, and I think on the that you can you can look at this and say quite aside from the perhaps and it may well be, and that's an interesting statistic that Ron put out of the that the actual the number literal number of people who might be affected by this um but I think kind of the bigger picture is is that it, it suddenly puts uh, a monkey wrench into uh, in, in the sense of of people thinking through or businesses thinking through uh, you know how unsettled is the future going to be going forward uh and uh, in the sense that you have kind of a, a government taking a, a, a step like this, which is certainly on its scale, it's fairly unprecedented. And then on the other hand, you have sort of the LC- ACLU stepping in, mass protests and so forth. Uh, and if you're a business, you have to kind of be wondering, uh, you know, what, what can I count on? I mean, what, what's the, the future going forward? And, uh, and massive amounts of uncertainty are just not good for business. And so, uh, so I think that there's a, a going forward business risk that tends to be fairly substantial.
2: Mike? Yeah, I'd pick up on several points here, and that is individual companies or individual universities are going to have, I think, a challenge ahead in trying to push back and resist these this national policy. It's a national yep. policy, and yep. we, we are, <laughs> we're small. Uh, that said, I think historically, the business community in the U.S., if we go quite a ways back, has been better than it is now at thinking through the longer term. This is the essence of what Bob was just saying, we've got to think about the longer term here. We want yep. stability in, in our markets. We want uh, people and goods moving across borders without arbitrary restrictions. And while the president uh, has criticized Ford Motor Company, General Motors, yep. uh, United Technologies, other firms for uh, pushing or moving some of their workforce outside the United States, very difficult for those companies to actually... <laughs> Help, them, uh, help themselves to think through a, a better way to deal with that. But I think uh, I'd like to see more companies working through the National Business Roundtable, through the Chamber of Commerce, both nationally and locally. In California, there's the famous California Technology Council in Massachusetts. There's the Mass High Tech Council consortia of groups of businesses that uh, picking up on Benjamin Franklin yet again can actually make a difference On national policy and the way they have it in recent years. And part of what's happened, I think, and I'll end on this note, is with the rise of very tough-minded institutional investors and the globalization of business, companies have kind of lost their willingness to work aggressively together to do what's right for the country and certainly for business uh, as they've kind of gone more off on their own. This is the time actually to come back from that going off on your own and getting their collective act together. Well, one of
1: the interesting stories is that that was played out over the weekend where this was concerned. It was the communication of, of how it actually was going to be put in place, and the, there are stories out there about the fact that the Department of Homeland Security wasn't exactly consulted on on some of the avenues of this. So, I mean, that's 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 an interesting point
2: to this. I think you need to bring in. I mean, it's a. I'll be very brief and turn it over to my two colleagues here, but. Uh, When we look at government, normally efficiency and effectiveness are not leading criteria, uh, but they're important. And we want people to make policies and make decisions that are thought out and don't have to be modified or walked back. And I think we saw a good bit of that over the weekend, which raises doubts. Hopefully, they'll be corrected, uh, the the doubts that are raised, uh, on whether at the moment as policies being set, these huge decisions are being made. Yeah. there is an ability to actually effectively execute around them.
1: Ron, is the then are the statements being made by some of the CEOs and and obviously in the tech sector as well? Are are they are are they on point? Are they overstated? Where do you stand on that?
3: Uh, I really don't know what you know what their motivation is. I mean, I, and I don't doubt the the view from a, a principled standpoint. You know, in terms of of concerns about. Um, you know how this impacts refugees and, and the like i'm sure that's all heartfelt but i think we have to be careful not to sort of mix and match all of, a, a bunch of different issues that that your guests have, have brought up which is the outsourcing of jobs uh... the importing of of guest workers uh... and and making sort of a muddled mess out of uh, out of all of that uh... this is an executive order that's really around national security homeland security and that's what it is, that one can be concerned about what that is and and how it impacts people, uh, more so than workers. But let's not sort of muddy kind of the waters there and talk about this, you know, affecting uh, workers and things like that so much. I think the the university angle is an important one, uh and probably something where there's probably a greater impact on the universities um, rather than the, the tech industry itself.
1: D- to your knowledge, did, did Howard University make a statement on this over the weekend?
3: Yes, uh, our, our president did make a statement uh, on this and said uh, that they were monitoring and, as well as, uh, you know, uh, making sure that the, that the students are aware of what, what's going to happen and also voicing their, the, the concerns of the university uh, about how it impacts uh, students as well as staff and
1: faculty. what do you think will how, how how in your mind do you think this is going to play out? as you said you know the 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 wording of this by the president and by the uh, the cabinet they are talking about this as a 90 day or 120 day uh, event do you expect it that it is going to play out as such and then it's really not going to be an issue going forward?
3: I, I don't know. I, I really don't have the insight there, and I'm not sure any of us really know what the you know sort of security uh... classified kind of information. I don't have an insight into what's going on. I think there's also something important uh, to point out that the you know that's been reported. and We haven't talked about it on this call, but you know that there's large numbers of, particularly in terms of the skilled guest workers, um, you know, large numbers of of Muslims. Who come, for example, from India, and that's the largest sending country in terms of the, the tech industry and whatnot. It doesn't affect them at all. So that's just to give you a sense of yeah. kind of a uh, putting some perspective and context around this in terms of data.
1: Bob, how do you see this uh, this playing out?
0: The, um, it's interesting. We've been talking about uh, this on the business side, but uh, Ron made a good point that uh, the explicit motivation for it is really related to national. Security. Security, and one has to ask, okay, uh, so from well, why would the government be doing this, or what's sort of the intent of doing this? And uh, and given that it's difficult to argue that if we look back at the different sort of terrorist attacks um, that we've had within, or terrorist motivated attacks we've had within the U.S. Uh, over the past several years, this is sort of a policy which probably almost well, certainly would have done nothing to to uh, 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 to mitigate those uh, th- those attacks. So, so to some degree, uh, it, the only motivation must be, in some sense to uh, uh to give people a greater sense of reassurance that their uh that their government is taking care of them uh that that they can now go about their day to day life without having to worry about terrorism or something like that. Uh, but then, you know, a case get, which, which you could say kind of back out is then ultimately good for business because if consumers are happy and feel safe, then they'll spend more and the world is in a happier place. Uh, I, I think the thing that worries me is, is actually that it would have kind of quite the opposite effect, that effectively what it's doing is um, uh, a lot of people who, who, uh, who weren't already pretty afraid will look at a, an extreme order like this where you're banning entire countries from coming in as suggesting that the problem has gotten so severe, that a, uh, a massive, unprecedented order like this is necessary to take care of it. And, uh, and I think you'll get people kind of looking for uh, um, you know, boogeymen under every bed and, and so forth, and which basically will have a, a potentially very negative effect, not just on business, but also uh, <clears throat> obviously sort of the, just the, the social fabric uh, within the U.S.
1: Well, what about just around the globe as well? Because this is yep. obviously going to have an impact in these countries, but I would think in a lot of other locations as well. Just uh, the, the 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 fact that this uh, this ban uh, is is in effect.
0: Yeah, well, absolutely. I I, I think that uh, that. Then you start thinking about people who, who you know, Americans who start traveling abroad. Uh, uh, you know, it, it just raises concerns about how am I going to be viewed, and and you know, when are other countries going to put their bans on Americans and so forth? And I, I think that that obviously is pretty extreme. Uh, but nevertheless, if, if the goal of the of the policy is in some sense to make things better and reassure people at a yep. psychological level, quite aside from kind of the very small numbers that may be involved, I, I, I yeah, you know, I, I can't help but believe it. It has quite the opposite.
1: Which which I guess, Mike, to a degree, uh, I guess maybe one of the mitigating reasons why Howard Schultz comes out and makes the statement that he does about hiring 10,000 refugees over the next five years, as it it shows Starbucks is somebody that that cares not only about the United States, but cares about uh, obviously people around the world. And, and, you know, to a degree, Hmm. they're trying to go to their customer base, but they are thinking globally.
2: It also speaks to the fact that many companies are of a scale. Starbucks is just an enormous firm that they can actually take steps that have impact on on the issues we're talking about because 10,000 is 10,000 jobs that he's proposing to put out there. Let me just, since we're close to the end of our time here, pick up on um, one issue that uh, Ron nicely singled out, and that is the events or the declarations or the new policy change over the weekend we're referring to are, of course, about security In a context that includes a proposal for a 20 percent tariff on imports from Mexico, on direct uh, criticism of individual companies for their employment practices, uh, issues about free trade and uh, the possible restrictions coming up, I think these four or five factors together, though, uh, I think make many – should make many company executives concerned. Not so much about the short term, although there are obviously short term issues, but longer term, is this going to be a tougher place to do business with? Great to see Howard Schultz stepping forward. Great to see Lloyd Blankfein at Goldman making a statement. And I'd love to see, personally, uh, they're going into their respective trade associations and getting their fellow executives to think through what's their point of view. It's a free society. They should express it and uh, work with the administration to make certain that we don't go into reverse economically.
1: Ron, I guess that Mm. obviously we talk about this from the United States perspective, but a a lot of this really started to to, uh, to percolate, uh, really because uh, of the refugee crisis overseas. And, and it's almost to the point where now this is this is a topic that uh, a lot of governments are having to look at. Obviously, the United States is. Uh, the U.K. has said that they are going to. The EU, I would think, is, is going to be addressing it. I, I mean, there are a, a wide range of entities right now where this is impacting uh, our world.
3: Uh, yeah, absolutely. And if we look at what's going on in terms of the politics of Europe uh... in elections that are coming up and you see what's happened to angela merkel's you know popularity and let's keep in mind this is not just a you know the u.s policies and just based on what u.s businesses want but the electorate you know elected voted for uh... donald trump Um and so this is one of the promises he made so i think we need to keep in mind that that there's uh... a variety of views out there and and that Um, U.S. policy and government has to be responsive not just to businesses but also to what the people want
1: but obviously uh, Bob if you're talking about uh, going back here to the United States for a second and you play up on on something that Mike brought up about the universities here at the University of Pennsylvania the university made a statement over the weekend about this uh, and to the same degree the universities have to be uh, be looking out for the people that are on their campus
0: yeah, well I, I absolutely and, and I do think that there uh it, it certainly has affected a number of people uh at least um, uh, um you know in the short run but then um I, I also think that there's sort of a um uh you're getting about the the firm risk there's sort of a reputational concern that might be out there in terms of I think that um um, uh, mike made a really good point about um uh, uh that that the us basically being potentially being seen as a tougher um uh, a tougher country to do business with and i think that's uh uh, and, and to the degree in which that also kind of spills over to the U.S. being a tougher place to get a good education and and so forth, that that could also have a, a very difficult long-run consequence. Uh, you know, r- right now the United States is sort of the, by, I think, by far the world leader in higher education, and I, I think that with policies such as this, uh, that, that and that is potentially at risk.
2: Bob, or, uh, Mike. Yeah, I would just pick up on this uh, issue of where we are, sort of just in the chronology of events. Uh, We did go through an election. We know the outcome unequivocally. Uh, But after an election, in effect, we don't lay down politics for four years. We just conduct our political process through other means, through lobbying, through op-ed pieces, through programs like this. And I actually personally think it's been fantastic over the last 48 hours to see so many voices coming from universities, uh, from uh, just groups at uh, airports and, and well beyond people in Congress and State legislatures now exercising their free political voice to make certain that all these all the ideas are out there that ought to be no. considered in, in putting forward policies like this. Great to have all of you
1: joining mm-hmm. us today, Bob uh, Ronnie. Thank you. Great to have you on the phone with us today. Thanks, great. Mike, thank you Mike. both. Thank you. Great, Mike. Great to see you as well.
0: For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.